0: From crypto winter to crypto geopolitics, from chat GPT to AI avatars, from zero proof identity to CBDCs and new forms of GovTech. Join inventors, artists, musicians, gamers, bankers, policymakers and rebels for a discussion on how technology is reshaping our world. From our offices in Dubai, this is the UAE Tech Podcast.
1: You know, it really is coming to a situation where, you know, we we can't really talk about um the digital space without, you know, talking about governments and talking about their own presence in these spaces. You know, when we talk about Web 2, you know, we're normally talking about some, you know, the government's, you know, um, one of the, you know, ministry's static website or or a social media channel. Um, But what we're seeing now is that we're really moving into a space where they have to be a lot more dynamic, a lot more tech savvy to really keep up with the modern citizen. And that process of digitalization, digitization, is not only kind of making sure that they are kind of keeping pace with, The landscape, but it's also, you know, impacting you know governments as themselves. It's impacting how they are evolving and the way that they are becoming more intrinsic to the fabric of of our kind of our digital lives. Um, You know, it's it's a really interesting conversation.
0: Early internet pioneers such as Lawrence Lessig, Tim Berners Lee, and John Perry Barlow imagined a new frontier of the mind, free from the encumbrances of government. The irony was that the Internet began with DARPA and Eisenhower-based defense funding before the momentum moved to the university campuses of California and later to Silicon Valley. On the whole, a light regulatory approach adopted by the United States allowed the Internet to thrive in ways that might never have been possible in other parts of the world. Fast forward a couple of generations and the network of networks is transforming. Into what has been called the 3D web, spatial computing, or the metaverse. Today, government and not just the private sector is leading the charge. Isabella Williamson is Associate Director at Consulum. She's examining how governments in the GCC and around the world are positioning themselves in what might be the future of the digital economy. From Seoul to Saudi Arabia, Dubai, and Norway, this episode provides up to date case studies and hints at a broader question Is government itself? Profoundly Transforming. Today we're talking to Isabella Williamson, Associate Director at Consulum. Isabella, thanks so much for joining us on the UA Tech Podcast. So this today is going to be an unusual discussion at the intersection of public policy, technology, and government within the context of the metaverse. So to begin with, I wanted to ask you to maybe introduce yourself, talk a little bit about some of the research you've been doing and answer the question, really, why should government be interested and involved in the metaverse?
1: Absolutely, John. Thank you for having me. Um, So, yeah, my name is Isabella Williamson. I am an emerging technology strategist at Consulum, which is a government advisory firm based in the UAE. I help governments understand how to leverage these emerging technologies um, to maximize the positive impact they have on their stakeholders. Um, And really, this all started with a passion of mine for Web3 in the metaverse, you know, this is something that I've spent a lot of time, many years kind of, you know, exploring, um, being creative with, um, to really understand what its utility is, um, and what potentially that utility could be for, for others apart from myself. Um, so, you know, when I think about this from the perspective of the public sector, you know, it's, it's a really exciting situation um, that we have here. And, you know, as I said, I've been working with governments, you know, around the world, looking at how they can um, start their journey with these technologies today. Um, and, and what I'm really seeing is you are seeing governments internationally, um, you know, taking steps into this space. This is kind of the focus of my my latest research, which hasn't come out yet. But just to give you a background, You know, I'm looking at countries across the world that are um, either, you know, announcing, you know, national strategies um, for the metaverse or, you know, launching individual programs or or initiatives. But what we're seeing is, you know, at least for the past two years, there's a a kind of gradual um, increase in the number of governments that are actually taking action in this space. And my assessment with this, obviously part of it is due to the COVID-19 pandemic and governments kind of responding to that and really turbocharging their digitalization strategies. But the other part of it is is a kind of broader realization that I think a lot of people um, share a similar opinion, that more interactive, immersive experiences are really integral to the next iteration of the internet, which we refer to as, you know, Web 3.0. You know, governments um that are especially more digitally competent, potential than others are are looking at um, essentially, you know. What am I doing right now to be able to prepare for that eventual um, future? Um, What am I doing to also use it to kind of, you know, promote myself, my economy and what my people have to offer? So I see there being kind of a dual um, kind of use case for government. And it's all centered around increasing the value for the modern citizen. Um, you know, so if I, if you want me to delve in a little bit into what I mean, kind of, if I, you know, I create. I've I've mentioned two kind of areas where governments see use cases and are actually exploring at the moment. I'll delve into that a little bit more. So, when we talk about governments and you know what they're doing in the space, I see public administration as one area, and kind of promotional activities as another. To be quite kind of um, simplistic about this. So when we talk about public administration and the metaverse, what we're seeing is that governments are realising that you know they need to be thinking about how they can best serve um, their citizens in a more digitally dynamic landscape, and they're looking at ways of using kind of immersive technologies to um, you know increase efficiencies and accessibility for public services such as you know issuing official documents, um, which we're seeing you know which in theory should be happening with Barbados's embassy, which they're putting into Decentraland, um, or we can talk about taxes, you know, uh, tax work or, you know, education, which, you know, Norway has been a pioneer in, in putting its tax office in the metaverse to be able to get um, its tech savvy youth to understand how the tax system works and how to kind of look at tax from the point of, you know, decentralized finance, for example. And then finally, you could talk about virtual town halls and and consultations. These are activities that require a human-like touch. Uh, They can't be done 100% through Web2, through an app. They require that kind of in-person experience that might not always be possible and might actually be more efficient to do virtually through these immersive experiences. So that's kind of the picture from the public administration perspective and its utility. In terms of promotional activities, um, it's really around how can the government dr- kind of drive further economic growth and boost diplomatic waiting, kind of jumping into this metaverse space. The economic side of it is really around kind of turbocharging your digital economy. The metaverse has a number of kind of um, advantages in helping to kind of attract new and invigorated talent from across the world um, that are you know eager to drive innovation, which obviously has spillover effects and a positive impact on the the coast country so investing in metaverse ecosystems can actually help to drive um economic prosperity in the future which is obviously where the UAE is coming from with its national strategy sorry with its um with Dubai strategy um it's looking at you know how can it tackle each part of the ecosystem to really bring the metaverse to the Forefront and become a leader Um, both as an economy and also as kind of a digital hub in the changing digital landscape. Tourism is also another area I would kind of pinpoint, you know, looking at how these immersive technologies can be a platform to, you know, um, enhance virtual experiences of, you know, tourist attractions um metaverse Seoul, for example um which is the kind of metaverse platform created by um the city government has um put the 10 most popular tourist attractions into the metaverse so anyone around the world can visit them or saudi arabia you can talk about how they put um, unesco heritage site Aluna's um hedra um uh, hedra into the hedra tomb sorry into the metaverse um, to enable people everywhere to come into the central land and experience it in a di- in a different more um, creative way and finally we can talk about diplomatic waiting and how you know by pretty much seizing this window of opportunity with the metaverse you can actually use it to boost your brand internationally, find new areas of collaboration um, with other other nations. And that is extremely exciting. You know, I can give examples across a number of island nations in the world, uh, specifically Barbados, Tuvalu, and Madagascar. They're they're very interesting in what they're doing. They're um launching specific initiatives in the metaverse to get their, you know, their you know, to get their name in the headlines, to get the international community talking about them. And it really has been effective. Um, you know, Tuvalu is my, my kind of my favorite example here because it's it's its metaverse initiative is rooted in a very real um problem that we're we experienced internationally, which is climate change. Tuvalu is literally a creating a digital twin of itself. And this is an award-winning idea, by the way, um, as, in it, as it has won awards. Um, it's creating a digital twin of itself to be able to preserve its land and culture and heritage as rising sea levels are threatening to submerge the island state, which I think is a very powerful message and and has, you know, caught the attention of the global community. So that's how I would talk about kind of promotional activities, John.
0: Thanks so much for that spellbinding introduction. There's an awful lot there. um, And I think we could spend several episodes delving into to just half of the points. you've just made Uh, but hopefully during the course of this episode we'll we'll touch on a lot of those. Um, I wanted to begin by going back a little and if you think about it the internet has already changed, Web2 as it's known, has already changed the way governments and economics work in profound ways, in ways that we could never have predicted and from digital diplomacy to tourism to all of the things that you've mentioned, such as a city wanting to brand itself or or, um, put a policy proposal on the map to a global audience. Do you think, just zooming out a little and looking, looking at this, that governments have realized that cyberspace is going to be a significant domain of economic and civilizational competition in the future, and that they predict that the metaverse will likely be a key pillar in this new arena and so they want to position themselves within it they want to use all the tools that you've just mentioned but there's also a much bigger movement at stake which is really you know how we communicate and trade and interact with with each other as a speed as a species going forwards
1: yeah, absolutely. I'll tackle the first bit. Um you, the point about governments and um kind of how they're seeing the metaverse as kind of a pillar of a more competitive digital landscape. Um I completely agree with you. Um it is a situation where governments are looking at the the, the emergence of, of the metaverse, of these virtual spaces, um, and thinking about or, or approaching them as from the perspective of, you know, on the one hand, these are Kind of new channels for, for com- platforms for, for competition um they see their their you know other nations entering and um other you know big tech coming in and creating new spaces and the really the question arises around you know who's who's in charge who's governing these spaces um how can we all work together to kind of you know collaborate on these platforms and and make it all work as as one as one whole and um, there's so many kind of issue areas not issues but kind of both challenges and opportunities that arise from from the concept of the metaverse but in its kind of fundament it is a new platform for competition and for kind of um, you know um, expressing identity and for um, economic prowess it's it's it really is a parallel to our physical world so all the you know challenges and opportunities that we have in the in the physical world are really being amplified in this virtual space you know that's how governments are are really starting to approach it um and i think that what we're going to see in the in the coming years is more governments waking up to this fact and really starting to think about their digital presence as as much as their physical presence because it really is going to be an an critical part of of the future of the internet and the future of kind of digital. Um, And then to your second point around um, actually, sorry, John, could you repeat, repeat your second point? Well, yeah, I guess the
0: second point is uh, if we look back and history kind of teach us, can we find some patterns in history? Because I was thinking as you were talking about, you know, the origins of the early internet and and it, which spawned out of um, a weird dichotomy of Eisenhower-based military complex grants on the other, on the one hand, and kind of 1960s hippie cam- campus culture on the yeah. other hand, and out of that you had this very strange mix which kind of grew up with Silicon Valley, but you had early internet pioneers uh, like Tim Berners-Lee or Lawrence Lessig that on the one hand were very worried about government interference and the role of government and they wanted this new domain for humankind free from the encumbrances of you know the old world and traditional nation states and it was interesting and and in a way government missed a trick and and the many of us use the internet to communicate across borders and to do all sorts of things today and A lot of our day-to-day lives now are spent across these networks. And I can't help thinking that governments everywhere are aware that their role and their justification is changing too, that even though me and you are talking about the metaverse on a podcast right now, this is also really a discussion about how government itself is changing, how the role of government is becoming digitalized, and how it's not just about governments using the metaverse, but governments are increasingly merging with uh, the network, Web 2.0, but also potentially in future, you know, immersive realities. I wanted to ask you if you agree, and if you think that that's something that is fascinating, that the discussion on on the metaverse is no longer just a discussion on an incredibly um, interesting technology, but a technology that could even change the way we think of government itself in the distant future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you, John. Um, You know, it really is coming to a situation where, you know, we we can't really talk about um, the digital space without, you know, talking about governments and talking about their own presence in these spaces. You know, when we talk about Web2, You know, we're normally talking about some, you know, the government's, you know, um, one of the, you know, a ministry's static website or or a social media channel. Um, But what we're seeing now is that we're really moving into a space where they have to be a lot more dynamic, a lot more tech savvy to really keep up with the modern citizen. And that process of digitalization, digitization is not only kind of making sure that they are kind of keeping pace with the landscape, but it's also you know impacting you know governments as themselves it's impacting how they are evolving and the way that they are becoming more intrinsic to the fabric of of our kind of our digital lives um you know it, it's, a, it's a really interesting conversation and i think one that probably isn't talked about enough about how governments themselves are actually changing in their own you know identities and, and their roles. Yeah. um and i think I th- very few uh, people are aware of it really yeah, yeah. It's definitely, even for myself, it's a, it's a fairly new conversation that goes beyond, as you said, it goes beyond the point of what are they doing? How are they engaging? But it's actually, how is the landscape actually having the reverse impact on them and actually influencing how they're, they are digitalizing, um, digitalizing? So it's a really interesting conversation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I really want to go into some of your case studies, because I think those will be fascinating for our audience. But I just wanted to let you know, because I thought you'd find it interesting, about a really notable off-the-cuff remark or anecdote we had from a Central European banker on on the UA Tech podcast about, well, maybe a year and a half ago. Um, We were discussing open banking in the European Union uh, and the fintech revolution. And um, he'd been involved in, you know, working with central banks all over Europe, and very high level, uh, London, and at the time was based in Portugal, it was a significant name. And I asked him, well, you know, what really began the open banking movement? What um, do you think spurred this degree of innovation within a very historic and old sector, the banking sector? And his response was absolutely fascinating, because it was immediate and he basically said, well, I remember sitting in my office one day hearing that Facebook, which has something like had something like 2.8 billion users at the time, but even if it was half of that, I'd have um, almost fallen off my chair. And he said, and I remember that they were about to launch a cryptocurrency. They had plans to launch a cryptocurrency called Libra at the time and later Diem and myself and others in europe realized that if a community the size of facebook were to launch its own even in-platform currency it didn't necessarily even have to be acceptable or used in the real world that alone would be enough to significantly threaten the global banking system and i just thought the logic of that was so immediate and so simple but was also so stunning because it gave gave a sense of how quickly things are changing. And of course, you know, early metaverse worlds like Fortnite, even if it's not technically a metaverse have something like 300 million users. Yeah. So of course this new domain of human experience is something that governments want to have access to. Um, So I just thought that'd be an an anecdote you might enjoy. And I also thought it'd be great to, to hear about some of these, uh, countries that you've looked at, such as Saudi, Indonesia, South Korea, Norway, China, and EU. If you could take us through some of those and kind of give us a sense of what the governments are doing and why, that would be really useful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um you know as just to give some background you know I've been looking at these countries for the for the past couple of years now and really kind of tracking what what they've been up to and and actually at the moment I'm looking at about 20 um and it's, it's really fascinating how the landscape is changing and evolving with with the digital um the digital situation and you know in many ways I feel like the government conversation around the metaverse is almost like you know, a litmus test for for you know when we talk about the private sector and the metaverse and Web three and there's a lot of conversation of it being hype or driven by by hype. Um, I feel like mm. government investment in this space and their kind of dedication to it in terms of you know launching either strategies or single kind of initiatives is really kind of a testament to I think we can really look beyond hype and really start talking about something mm. a lot more concrete. Governments don't always get it right. But the fact that they are investing so much time and energy into these initiatives when they have a lot of other digitalization priorities is really telling. Um, Yeah. And and I've selected a a number of countries um, across around the world um, to kind of give that give that kind of a bit more kind of context around that, that observation. What we're seeing is kind of. The emergence of some countries that are actually um you know uh, launching national strategies or on a sub-national level um you know these uh, similar strategies but obviously for example like um so we're seeing the city government launch its own strategy while the um you know the, the nation as the south you know launched its, its own kind of national strategy but they kind of obviously um you know uh are related to one another and they interact and, and and are linked through a broader kind of digitalization strategy um and then 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 you have some other countries with our which are kind of more um, focused on specific initiatives um, that are uh, kind of aimed at advancing um, the kind of use of the metaverse its use cases and and development of those technologies kind of more broadly um, and that probably in the end will launch some kind of strategy but at this point in time haven't so um, you know we can talk about strategies first so you know obviously the UAE Dubai's metaverse strategy you know it aims to support more than 40,000 virtual jobs by 2030 Mm -hmm. it's um, you know aiming to add four billion dollars to um, to the economy in the next five years this is, a kind of a show-stopping strategy. It is one that is very clear in what it wants to achieve. It is um, holistic, it is robust, and I'm really excited to see where this goes. Dubai is tackling the whole Metaverse ecosystem. It's looking at education through, you know, for example, like the Jahiz um, educator, um, I think training scheme for the public sector, which is looking at improving or enhancing um, uh, digital skills in the public sector. It's looking at infrastructure um, by creating, hopefully, digital twins of Dubai and Abu Dhabi to actually um, present platforms where companies can go on and and interact and and, and, um, transact. It's looking at, um, obviously, it's a broader vision. It has a a vision that is, um, you know, it's looking to um, continue and grow and propel with with this strategy and, and inspire around the world. It wants to be a model to emulate and you know is also looking at regulation for example in the crypto space with um you know um with the um with the um, digital asset um, sorry digital asset regulator one of the first in the world you know it really is a pioneer and you know if we then jump to someone like south korea uh, the situation is similar you know these the you know i think both of them came out in the same year potentially south korea came just before uae But what we're seeing in South Korea is, is again, looking at the the whole ecosystem. They're really wanting to turbocharge turbocharge a metaverse ecosystem to put their country at the forefront of the new digital age. They want to be the ones that are innovating in this space and they want to attract talent. They want to um, be the home of innovation. They want to be a digitally first nation that um, is is, is really a pioneer in, in, in Web3. And then you know, if I move away slightly from kind of these broad these broader strategies to you know specific initiatives um, that, that have been really exciting, and um, and I'm, I'm hoping more will come out in the future. You know, you can look at Saudi Arabia again, a hugely impressive um, you know a hugely impressive situation when it comes to innovation, um, the metaverse and the metaverse. You know, it's already got um, it, one of its uh, most um, beloved and, and famous, um, you know, historic sites in the metaverse, in Decentraland, ready for users to go and experience from anywhere in the world within seconds. And, you know, if we look at Saudi Arabia's population, you've got, um, you know, almost 23 million gamers in Saudi Arabia. Their youth mm. is quickly growing. I mean, and I'll
0: ask you about that later, actually. But yeah, it's really interesting.
1: Yeah, I know. So absolutely and so the reason why i've mentioned that and in, in kind of alongside this initiative is that saudi arabia is is really pioneering the space but it's also has massive potential to to tap into this user base that is already engaged with a kind of proto metaverse reality so the opportunities mm-hmm. for saudi arabia, to, saudi arabia to really excel in this space is actually phenomenal um mm-hmm. and is one that we're closely watching Um, you know, if we just jump back to, to, you know, let's look at um, Indonesia, for example, you know, um, Indonesia is very much in a kind of space where it's exploring, you know, um, researching around the metaverse. But what it has done is it's seen a specific area, um, you know, a specific challenge or opportunity, and it's matched it with a specific initiative in the metaverse. So, you know, um, almost 99% of Indonesia's economy is made up of MSMEs. And what it's gone and done, is created something called Metanasia, which is a platform which is designed to bring Um, Indonesian companies into the global fold they're trying to get these companies to kind of compete with the the broader global um, picture um, you know broader global kind of digital um, e-commerce which is actually a really fascinating um, initiative and I'm also interested to see how this impacts um, you know the the economy of Indonesia in the future and and how successful it is Um, and then I think I'll jump to um, Norway a very different place in the world. Um, And they have, again, this is kind of an example of kind of public-private partnership of kind Mm -hmm. of tapping into the, you know, innovation of of the public sector and looking at kind of what the government is, you know, the initiatives that it has in the pipeline and how it can really make an impact with its um, tax office, the first tax office in in the metaverse. Um, And what's interesting about this is that, you know, they are... Look, they're targeting tech-savvy um, youth that are potentially, you know, involved in the, the crypto space, and they're using this tax office to pretty much be able to reach the, the, this this group of people and and assist them with their taxes, but also using it as a platform to educate them around cryptocurrencies, around decentralized finance, which is kind of showcasing the utility of, of the metaverse, you know, beyond just a tax office, you're actually helping to kind of culturalize and educate your people around um, something that's become a very real and a mainstream thing in, in, in the coming years. And then finally, uh, I think the European Union is a really interesting, obviously not a country, yeah. but looking at kind of mm-hmm. the union as a whole, Again, the the picture in Europe is a bit more kind of explorative. They are a little bit more hesitant around the virtual worlds. You know, the Middle East, um, the MENA and Asia are a lot more kind of um, proactive and ambitious with the metaverse and Web3, whereas Europe is... Very much um making sure that whatever steps they make into the virtual realm, it's always rooted around European values and principles. That's something that's been a kind of overarching narrative for me when kind of assessing. Yeah. They are really focusing on making sure this is civilian centric, that it is, a place that is open, decentralized. Mm. Um, global and very much about accessibility um, and with that what you're seeing is kind of a flurry of initiatives aimed at kind of you know either getting involved in this place or regulating the space um, i think another area that's been more of an emphasis in europe is around um as i said regulation you know looking at how to protect civilians uh, you know it's a very similar conversation to what we have with web2 um and with gdpr you know looking at how they're going to protect their civilians in a new digital age in terms of data privacy, mm-hmm. data security, looking at digital identities. Um, so they've very much kind of taken a step back and look, taken, taken a step back and looking at what what the situation is, what the global community is doing and where Europe wants to be in this picture. So I think that's probably um. You know, I could talk about Mainland China. I don't know if we have time, but um, that's... Please, very... Yeah,
0: I mean, there's there's a lot there in the European. I was I was going to say you could have a whole discussion about culture and I'll ask you about... I'm going to ask you about Saudi Arabia and Europe in a bit, but we have spoken sure. to some individuals from China and I would like your your two cents on that.
1: Yeah, sure. So China, again, I actually find absolutely fascinating when it comes to the metaverse, kind of global narrative. So, um, mainland China is if i was to kind of condense this into a kind of you know a phrase it really is the work metaverse that you know to be simplistic about it you know we don't no one actually knows what the metaverse will look like in the future i mean you know this could change very quickly but what we're seeing is that you know the metaverse in china is very much um, focused on productivity economic ambition it's rooted in policy directives it's a place to pursue economic gains rather than a place that is you know potentially about kind of expressing yourself you know um sharing experiences entertainment um you know exploring experiences i think it's it's very yeah. much a place of productivity um and again we're still watching it evolve what We're watching is it evolve on a kind of a sub national level, uh, more so than a national. It's, it's, there's, you know, I think in the last year, there's been at least 10 provinces or, or regions that have literally come out and put the metaverse into their development plans um, because they really see it as a, a competitive edge. They see it as something that is very quickly gaining traction and they need to be on the front foot. They need to be thinking about how they are going to become even more productive using immersive technology. Um, and obviously, with China, another big part of the picture is obviously the, the big tech firms, um, the big tech giants that are, you know, obviously um, kind of trailblazing in um, innovating in immersive technologies. And um, obviously-
0: they have a great digital payments infrastructure to merge with it all. But um, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Fascinating. Uh, on China, it sounds like that's a great domain for the future of work guys, then. That's where they can get some of their case studies. Absolutely. But so, I mean, there's a lot there, Isabella, and it seems like a lot of those countries you mentioned all have a different entry point. I mean, Norway could easily become a kind of case study for digital tax regimes across borders. Um, Mm -hmm. Your point on Saudi Arabia having 23 million citizens uh, at one point, I think Saudi Arabia still has the largest saturation of Twitter users, which I think is always a... (laughs) a stunning uh, statistic in Arabic, of course. Um, And then European Union, that point you made on culture, because I remember having a conversation uh, with someone who suggested, well, if we are really going to have a global metaverse, which is a melting pot of different accents and cultures and beliefs, then it can't just be Western dominated and it can't just be in English. And I think that's, an interesting discussion because it leads us down towards the role of, of developing countries in a multipolar world order. And what mm-hmm. might this idea of the metaverses or plural, or at uh, uh, one point, maybe perhaps a global metaverse of federal republics or whatever that that citizens are using? And I guess, you know, for the, the purposes of the UAE Tech podcast, we are team um, UAE and team Dubai to some extent. And an interesting challenge we have is, I think, you've kind of alluded to it. There are countries very close with much larger populations and significant capital. And, you know, there are countries like the UAE and Estonia and Singapore who have forged, and and South Korea is another great example, forged really interesting kind of digital policies and have diversified and grown their economy through digital strategy And yet they don't always have the private sector players, the Amazons, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Apples, to help them surge their industry and grow and compete on a global level. But what they are doing is they are trying to enter these new domains, these new digital worlds as quickly as possible and trying to be as innovative and as impactful as possible within these worlds, I believe, because they suspect these are where the future, uh, future of the digital economy is heading. So I guess to summarize that point, what I'm really asking is, do you think smaller countries and smaller city states can play a a significant role in the future of these systems? Or do you think it will continue to be dominated by larger countries like China, the United States, possibly the European Union in the future? Are we going to have a kind of unipolar metaverse in the future or we're we going to have a multipolar metaverse where all sorts of countries and peoples can engage?
1: Yeah, it's a really um interesting question. I think that's one of the kind of the one of the most discussed I think in this space is you know what what is the future really looking like for for kind of international collaboration on on a on the kind of the broader vision of the metaverse of something being you know completely kind of interoperable and and decentralized and um, collaborative. Literally, um, I think I, I want to be an optimist and say that you know you know countries are going to you countries and and the public and the private sector are pretty much going to reflect. On the direction of Web two and the internet, and you know the, the the shattered dreams of it being really a place where it was a kind of a fair playing ground for everybody. And hopefully, with Web three, it's kind of like a, a white canvas. It's it's, mm. it's a fresh start for everybody to really rethink about how this is all going to work and how we're going to work together that is what you know i really hope um and i hope that countries like you know the uae and these smaller ones that are a lot more ambitious and and eager to really get their themselves involved in in the you know not involved but like to literally excel in the digital economy are going to want to maintain that kind of equal playing field and and really encourage collaboration and drive that that collaborative effort. Um, That's what I'm hoping. I don't think the the big tech giants and some of these kind of larger nations and and, and, um, organizations are going to be as kind of willing to um, step down from, from a potential monopoly in the future, but that is why we need to push really hard now to establish the guardrails, establish the, the regulations, establish the frameworks for creating a an internet which is actually truly um, you know, um, I keep using the word collaborative, but it literally is just an internet that is more collaborative, it's more fair, so that we can, you know, we, we aren't living in a future where these big tech giants are dominating um, you know, half of what we term as the metaverse. Uh, they don't think it should be like that. And I think you know um these these smaller nations are are the ones that are going to make that possible
0: yeah i agree um and i think we're going to have to get you on the series again to unpack a lot of the things that that we've missed but alluded to in, in this episode so thank you so much for joining us today isabella on the uae tech podcast thank you Sponsor information. The UIE Tech Podcast is distributed by AlbaWeber Business free of charge. To sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes, please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on AlboWeber Business, syndication distribution on AlbaWeber Syndicate, email direct marketing across the region, and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio, and video formats. Albuwaba is not a PR company, and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.